Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm happy to be with you this week as we continue our focus on achieving optimized returns. This week, NOI is the key, net operating income. It's everything when it comes to investment performance. It drives cash, it drives equity growth. This week, we're going to talk about that next step in the tier towards full achievement of return objectives about how we achieve NOI. As always, if you have any questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And please swing by the Learning Center so you can get registered for uh, a number of our webinars in our upcoming series. Uh, the first is coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, gosh, let me take a quick peek at the calendar. Actually, it's coming up next week. And this is looking at operating expense as an investment, which is actually a topic very closely related to what we are going to talk about today. So swing by the Learning Center at marapolling.com and you can get registered for that. And with that, let's go ahead and get started on today's topic. NOI, net operating income, is calculated by taking revenue that comes in from tenants, rents, other income items, and then subtracting the operating expenses. What we're left with is the net operating income. It is important in a number of ways. One, it's the driver of cash. NOI, we subtract some other cash expenses like our debt service. And if there's a management fee uh, for someone like Mara Poling, that's subtracted. And what's left is the cash that goes to investors. If we want to improve cash performance, you're not really going to change the debt service during the hold period of a loan. You can, but that's generally not how you're going to move cash. And for the most part, management fees are fairly fixed to the extent that they exist. So if you want to drive cash, you've got to drive growth in NOI. And NOI is what we actually buy and sell when we trade these assets. We're not really buying the property, although legally we are. We're buying the stream of revenue and the resultant net operating income. So if we can grow net operating income in an environment where the market values NOI in a stable manner, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, then we can grow the value of the property and increase our equity. So NOI drives cash and it drives equity growth. Now, I want to talk just briefly before we get into how all that happens about NOI driving equity growth. There are two elements of that that need to be understood. The first is NOI is worth what the market will bear. If buyers in the market have interest in assets like this, and let's say they're willing to pay $20 for every dollar of NOI they can purchase, then that's referred to as a five cap because that $1 would be a 5% return on the 20. 
if they're only willing to pay $16 and change, well, that's a six cap. If they're willing to pay $25, then that's a four cap. And if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you're familiar with the fact that we like to talk about NOI valuations as opposed to cap rates. It just seems a little more logical to think about it that way. So investors purchase NOI. So if I can grow my NOI by $100,000 and I'm in a five cap market, meaning people are going to pay me $20 for every dollar of NOI, then I've just increased the value of my asset by $2 million. However, if in the same time period that I'm growing my NOI by $100,000 on an annual basis, the valuation of a dollar of NOI goes from $20 down to $18. Well, now not only does that 100,000 not generate 2 million, it only generates a million um, six, but my overall asset has also decreased in value because the existing NOI I have has moved. So equity can and does move independent of NOI. When we underwrite assets, we specifically underwrite negative movement in those valuations. So if we buy an asset at $20 per dollar of NOI, we're going to underwrite that we're going to exit that asset at $18 or $17. We don't want to be in a position where we've convinced ourselves it's a good investment because we're assuming the market is going to improve. We want to be conservative and make the assumption that the market will actually move negatively against us. In many instances, we've had the market move in a favorable manner, which is great. That's icing on top of the cake, if you will. So that's one of the things to keep in mind when we're talking about equity growth is NOI is one of the factors. The other factor is how much is the market valuing net operating income? The other is net operating income is manipulatable. And here's what I mean by that is the formula revenue minus operating expenses Revenue is a pretty clear number. You can look at rent rolls. You can look at financials. You can see very clearly how much rent was charged, how much rent was paid, what other income items there were. The revenue numbers are pretty clear cut. Operating expenses, on the other hand, they can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. And as I go through the operating expenses today, we'll talk about some of the ways they can be manipulated. But let me just give you an example. For example, if I'm purchasing a property that's been self-managed and the property management fee isn't an industry standard 3 or 4%, but it's 2%, well, that's understating the actual expense that you would normally see, which is going to overstate the amount of net operating income. So I'm not really buying as much net operating income as the trailing 12 financials would say. Conversely, if someone was self-managing a property and was paying themselves 8% in a management fee, then that net operating income number would be lower and it would be underrepresented. So you need to take all of that into account when you're looking at purchasing a property. It's absolutely one of the things that we do and lenders do as well. 
everybody enjoys looking at the seller's net operating income, in particular, their operating expenses. But there's only a few of those line items that actually are going to transition over. And we'll talk about those today. So we've talked previously about having a solid foundation of occupancy in a healthy range and that occupancy being comprised of qualified tenants. On that foundation, we build a revenue stream with net rental income and other income that's going to drive the ongoing success of the property. To get to net operating income, we now need to include operating expenses. So that's what we're going to look at today. And as I said, because operating expenses are in many ways unique to how the property is operated, it reinforces the real value of that revenue stream. And while we do purchase NOI, we're really purchasing that revenue stream. And that's, that's a much more important factor when we look at the acquisition of a property. So let's take a look. I've got a set of financials open in front of me from one of our assets, and we're just going to walk through the major categories and talk briefly about each. Now, a couple of things I want to say before we dive into that. Operating expenses are typically thought of as expenses, i.e. bad. Let's not have expense. Let's lower these as much as we possibly can. And in many instances, that's absolutely true. We do want to have lower expenses. And some of these items are not really expenses. They're actually investments. Our upcoming webinar is going to dive into that in a more detail. They're actually investments, investments that we're making in the successful operation of the property. So some we don't want to reduce. Some we might actually want to be at a certain level. And if they're not, we may look to actually increase our spending in that area, increase our investment. In general, though, operating expenses are going to be managed so that over time they grow and grow at a more modest rate than revenue grows. And that delta between the two is what gives us that growth in NOI. All right, so let's take a look at our first operating expense. So payroll, all the staff that's out at the property, the on-site staff that maintains the property, the folks that do the leasing work, the property manager that oversees the entire team, all of their salaries, wages, bonuses, benefits, all of those expenses. And those are expenses. And we would certainly like to have a number there that's the right number. We don't want to just throw dollars at a property, and we don't want to have more staff than we absolutely need. And at the same time, this is not an area that we're going to look to, quote unquote, save money. We don't want to underpay staff because we may not get the talent that we need. And we certainly don't want to understaff a property. Remember, this is the staff that not only is involved in leasing the assets, which is a critical part of driving revenue, but these are the folks that maintain the property. And maintenance of the asset not only saves us money over time by reducing or eliminating significant amounts of deferred maintenance, it absolutely improves tenant experience and an improved tenant experience directly 
translates into increased revenues from higher uh, revenue increases on renewals and higher renewal rates, as well as positive word of mouth, which helps us lease at higher and higher rates relative to the rest of the market. General and administrative. This can be a bit of a catch-all and probably is one of the true expenses that we're simply going to look to minimize. How much can we cut from here where there's waste? Are we spending too much money on uh, our telephone system and internet? Are there ways we could find to become more efficient from that standpoint? Bank fees and all the other items that go into that. Generally speaking, those are items that don't translate into a impactful experience for our tenants. So G&A most likely is one of the true expenses. Marketing or ad and promotion, absolutely an area that is investment. This is not an expense. It's in the operating expense side of the ledger because from an accounting standpoint, it's expensed, meaning it's written off in the year that those dollars are deployed. It is absolutely an investment. We have a number of properties that when we do our regular reviews, we will find that we are absolutely not investing enough money in advertising and promotion. It's an area that can be easy for people to think about, oh, it's an expense, let's see if we can cut. And we certainly wanna find more efficient ways to go about getting the word out about our assets, about our properties and how we can put that in front of uh, prospective tenants more efficiently. And it's well worth the few thousand dollars a month that we look to invest in each of these assets to improve that experience for prospective tenants such that we can get the traffic we need, fill our sales pipeline, and end up achieving the revenue goals that we've set. Repairs and maintenance. You could look at repairs and maintenance in a couple of different ways. There are certainly repairs and maintenance that we'd like to spend less money on. Items that we look at and say, there's no positive experience a tenant is getting from that. For example, HVAC repairs. Typically, starting in the spring, but certainly by summer, there's a lot of HVAC activity that goes on. That's not a positive experience for tenants. That's not something we'd like to spend money on, and it can get very expensive. So that's an area where we might look to make an actual capital investment, meaning not an expense in operating expenses, but deploy actual capital dollars to make some significant improvements to those systems so that we could reduce that expense. So in that way, that is an expense we want to reduce. We absolutely, though, want to make sure we're spending the money, that we're making the investment necessary to be responsive to tenants' needs. When a tenant makes a request, they're having an issue with plumbing, they're having an issue with carpeting, or uh, a door's not closing uh, as well as they'd like, uh, maybe their lock's having an issue, whatever it might happen to be. We want to be very responsive, and we want to do that for several reasons. One, 
being responsive is the right thing to do. These are nice people. They're paying us money to live in these properties every month. Our responsibility is to give them a nice, well-maintained property to live in. Number two, we want them to have a positive experience so that when it comes time to renew, they are more inclined to renew, which will allow us to optimize the revenue we'll get from that renewal. And finally, we want to stay on top of these items because they're not going to get better with age. If there's a plumbing issue, it's not going to fix itself. If there's a leak, we want to address that now before we end up with damaged cabinets or flooring. And now a $30 plumbing repair turns into $800 of damage that we have to repair. We want to stay on top of those. And so those are absolutely places we want to make sure that we're investing. The cost of a turn. So when a tenant moves out, the cost of going in and preparing that unit for the next tenant. This can be an area where there's a great desire to spend as little as we can. Let's not spend a lot of money. Let's just get the next tenant in there and keep the revenue flowing. And I understand that logic. Again, this is an opportunity to do some of that deferred maintenance. Maybe tenants haven't been reporting items or something fell through the crack and we didn't address it. Now's the time when we want to get in and deal, for example, with that leak. And maybe it has cost a few hundred dollars in damage. If we hurry and overlook it, not only do we potentially allow that to grow and become a larger issue, more importantly, it makes it more difficult to have a happy tenant. When a tenant moves in, well, they will understand there might be an item or two on a punch list that we need to address. They really do expect the unit to be in pretty much the best shape it's going to be in during their tenure. So if that's not their experience, that's going to negatively impact our ability to increase the value experience for that tenant over time and optimize our revenue. Utilities. I mentioned that there are a number of items that when we look at the operating expenses from a seller, if we're looking at purchasing a property, there's a number of items we look at and they're interesting, but we don't necessarily count on spending money that way. Repairs and maintenance, for example, could be one of those. It might be that the seller uh, chose to spend significant amounts of capital and capitalize everything they possibly could. Therefore, repairs and maintenance were abnormally low, overstating net operating income. Or it could be the other way around, where they simply deployed no capital and they did everything as an expense item. And that also could be a potential tax strategy they followed. And that would overstate repairs and maintenance, which would actually understate net operating income. So those are interesting things to look at, but we're going to do our own forecasting for repairs and maintenance and many of these other items. One of the items we absolutely take from their T12 is utilities, because that gives us an accurate picture of what the utility expenses have been over the past 12 months and actually over about 36 months when we look at three years of data that is typical. That allows us to put a forecast together of what we think the current utility expense is, and then forecast increases from that point going forward. 
Utilities are an area where we certainly would like to be more efficient. Keeping in mind that a significant amount of the utility expense is passed through to tenants. We want to be good stewards of the environment. And if there are ways that we can improve the efficiency of the property so that less money is spent on water or electricity or other items that might be passed through to tenants, we want to do that. And we do that keeping in mind that the return is actually experienced by tenants and difficult for us to help them value. For example, if we were to make an investment that lowered tenant utility bills by $30 a month, it's difficult to then go to tenants and say, and for having done that, we'd like you to pay us $10 more in rent. So we certainly want to look to be efficient when it comes to utilities. We also want to make sure, and this is probably more important, that we're very accurate about utilities and that we are billing for all of the utility expense that we reasonably can so that tenants are paying their fair share. I mentioned management fees, so this would be property management fees. If there's a third-party firm, it'll be those fees. If it's a self-managed operation, then there'll typically be some sort of internal management fee that's charged. These generally are tied to collected revenues. And so there is some incentive there, keeping in mind that over time, the growth in collected revenues certainly can be significant, but you're not going to see a doubling. So the base fee really is uh, of great importance to those management firms. Uh, and the primary focus. Now, the next two items are typically referred to as uncontrollable. You'll see that listed on a set of financials many times. And these are taxes and insurance. We do not believe that these are uncontrollable. As a matter of fact, we believe that along with general and administrative, these are the only two other expenses that truly are expenses, not investments, and that should absolutely be reduced and managed as much as possible. Now, we happen to invest in Texas. Texas is, is a state that has annual assessments for property taxes. Not all states do that. Texas does. And the process of reviewing those assessments puts us in a position where we may appeal those. Typically, we do. There are instances where we accept because we think the assessment from the local jurisdiction is accurate. In many instances, we disagree and we actively appeal those. And in some instances, appeal them ultimately even through a court process. When we have done so, we have been successful to a varying degree, sometimes with a very modest reduction, sometimes with very significant reductions that result in hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings over time. Property taxes are absolutely something that should be managed, as is insurance. Insurance has become more and more expensive over the last few years all across the industry, and Texas is certainly included in that. We have worked diligently to find ways to decrease the cost of our insurance while maintaining very healthy coverages. It's important that insurance not be reduced in the 
uh, intent of saving dollars. Now, if you've got a policy where you're overinsured and that comes to your uh, knowledge, then yes, you want to have the correct amount of insurance. What you don't want to do and what we do not do is look to significantly change the level of coverage such that we now have significant risk simply to get a lower insurance rate. We want a healthy, appropriately sized insurance policy, and we want to get the best value for that that we can. And the way to do that is to shop the marketplace, which we do annually on each and every one of our properties. So insurance, taxes, and GNA, those are expenses. We really want to look to minimize those. And as I said earlier, more likely manage their growth over time. Utilities, pretty much a straight plug-in number. And then all of the other items fit into that category of operating expenses that really function more or less like investments. And that's how we want to think about those. So if you want to join us next week in our webinar about this item, we're going to go into more detail about each of those and discuss the ins and outs of operating expenses as investments. If you are interested and the date and time doesn't work for you, I encourage you still register. This will get you a copy of the material in advance and it will get you first access, priority access to the recording of the session. And feel free, if you are registered, to submit questions in advance if you're not going to be able to participate. And for those of you that are going to be able to participate live, bring your questions with you as we will have a Q&A session. All right, that's it for today on NOI. Next week, we're going to finish off our series by talking about the total return, the five elements of return that we believe are critical for success in multifamily investing and how each of the items we've discussed over the last month build up to delivering that total return. I hope that you have a great week and I look forward to talking to you again next week on another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Paul.